we decided as little eight-year-old boys that we wanted to see what the world would look like from on top of the cliff. And so my twin brother and my friend decided they would climb out of the pit and walk up behind. And I decided I would climb the face. And I was about five feet from the top. And I was resting on a ledge and I heard voices above me. Uh -huh. and my twin and my best friend had beaten me to the top and they started throwing little pebbles to see who could throw the stones farther. Sure. And I remember my friend grabbed a big, a big huge rock and he went to throw it and he tripped. <gasps> and so he actually hit the ground like right before the edge of the cliff. And I remember holding onto this ledge, looking up and I saw this big rock oh, coming down. Oh my word. And uh, apparently it hit me on the chest. Uh-huh. And, and I blanked out. Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. All right, today I'm excited to introduce someone who at age eight fell off a 100-foot cliff, ended up with several-year recovery. Because of this, he cannot remember the first eight years of his life. Um, also, later in his life, as a husband, he and his wife had struggled with infertility, and he almost lost his wife mm -hmm. um, a few years ago. And finally, he lost his job. He is now a husband, father, Founder of MusicMotivation.com, music mentor, composer, author, poet, speaker, and avid gardener. He has written four motivation and self-help books that we're going to have him tell us about, as well as his stories. He's composed 10 music albums, four EPs, and I'm pleased to introduce Gerald Simon. Thank you. Gerald, are you ready to share your story of hope? I am happy to do so. Awesome. So let's start off with this first story, okay. the falling off the 100-foot cliff. Why don't right. you kind of tell us a little bit about that and how that happened and the recovery process and everything you learned. I mean, that just must have been traumatic. You know, it's interesting because at the time, of course, boys are adventurous. And yes. Daredevils and do everything like that. But you don't really think that something could happen like that. Oh, what, no. What, what had happened, I grew up in Pleasant View, and we were right below Ben Lomond Mountain. We were one of the last homes. We were on kind of Main Street. And and what what happened, we had a big rock behind our house, and it was, it was a cliff. It was one of the smaller ones. Mm -hmm. And... We would play up there as children. We now this is you and your, you have a twin, twin brother, right? Twin brother, my twin brother and I, and a friend of ours, we would go and we would play. And one day, I can't even remember what it is called. I called it Snake Pit. <laughs> and and okay. we, we, we called it Snake Pit because there was this pit that went down and there were snakes everywhere. Really? And for boys, you know, I mean, it was exciting. It was great. Uh -huh. And then you had the huge rock jutting out of the center, and which shot up, you know, 80 to 100 feet tall. And we decided as little eight-year-old boys that we wanted to see what the world would look like from on top of the cliff. 
Absolutely, right? Of course. <laughs> and so my twin brother and my friend decided they would climb out of the pit and walk up behind. And I decided I would climb the face of, course. of the cliff. And of course, I did not have any climbing experience. I did not have any climbing gear. Obviously, I did not have any brains. But I climbed the, I climbed the cliff. And I was about five feet from the top. Uh-huh. And I was resting on a ledge. And I heard voices above me. Uh-huh. And my twin and my best friend had beaten me to the top. And they started throwing little pebbles to see who could throw the stones farther. Sure. And I remember my friend grabbed a big, big, huge rock. Well, it was probably like this big. We were eight. I mean, how yeah, big yeah, could it have been, you know? Yeah. But, but to an eight-year-old, it was a huge, big rock. And he went to throw it. And he tripped. <gasps> and so he actually hit the ground, like, right before the edge of the cliff. And I remember holding on to this ledge, looking up, and... I saw this big rock oh, coming down. Oh my word! And <laughs> and that that is all I I remember. It uh, apparently it hit me on the chest. Uh huh. And and I blanked out completely. I I have no memory of the fall. I have no memory of anything. Our friend thankfully ran home crying and told his parents what had happened. Yeah. My twin brother and. He still, to this day, gets so emotional speaking about this because he could have paralyzed me. He didn't know what he was doing, but mm-hmm. he came down to where my body was, mm-hmm. and he lifted my head up, and he sat down, and he put my head in his lap. Oh, bless And And talk about dramatic and, and trauma, and it was so traumatic for him yeah because my head was completely cracked open uh, I, I when i went to the hospital so the skull the and everything skull was completely cracked open i had to get 26 staples oh, not stitches but staples all the way down my head and my twin when he my head was in his lap he was trying to push it back together and hold it oh. in place and he had on a yellow one of those tnc surf shirts you mm-hmm. know and, and it was completely stained red with my blood the whole shirt and oh gosh and by the time the ambulance arrived and and see they couldn't drive an ambulance up there so they had a stretcher and they had to run almost the two miles up to where i was and and of course i i do not remember any of this i yeah i don't remember anything the first memory i have is I, i do remember waking up in the ambulance and looking up and i did recognize my father so I, I did recognize my father, and I, I knew that I recognized him. But everyone else, they were all covered completely with masks and gloves because of the blood and how oh. much. I mean, they were they were all there, and and I blanked out again. Hmm. And, and I don't remember anything. The next thing I remember, I think it was a day or two days later, and, and I had not been paralyzed. That's miraculous. a miracle. I, I think, and, and no one knows really what happened, obviously, uh-huh. but what I think happened is there was barbed wire all along the cliff going straight up. I think what happened is I would fall 10, 15 feet, and then I'd get caught in barbed wire, and then I'd fall another 10 or 15 feet. It was almost like I was kind of, okay. instead of a straight fall, I... You, so you think your fall was broken? I, I think so. So you climbed over this barbed wire to get up? I did. I, I did. 
<laughs> not the smartest thing. Again, not the smartest thing. But I think I think it saved me because I have found cuts all over my body. Oh yeah, nicks and you know cuts that I can't attribute to anything but the fall. But I think that the barbed wire prevented me from just falling the straight, you know, eight plus feet and, and cracking my head open. I think I would fall and then. I would get caught in barbed wire, and then I would fall, and so I think it slowed down my fall, which I think saved my life. Yeah. But the next thing I remember was waking up in the hospital, and I was in a wheelchair, and they were wheeling me around, and and I had this big kind of cast thing on my head, and and, and I was it really a cast, or it, was it did was it like one of those metal I, I halos? Think was, I think it, I think it was more like that. What they had done because. If you look closely, yeah. I have a line all the way down now. There's a reason I part my hair in the center. <laughs> but I, I have a line all the way down uh -huh. where my head had been cracked open. Wow. And so they had to put in the staples, not stitches, but 26 staples yeah. all the way down. And then they had to, of course, wrap and bandage my head. And, and thankfully, I was not paralyzed. But the problem was... This was second grade. I was only eight years old. The entire time, my, my second grade, uh, what I remember of my second grade year experience, I had seizures. A and it was, I would have them at home. I remember being at school and falling out of my chair and landing in the middle of the aisle. And, and it was kind of a, a traumatic experience for an eight-year-old to go through. Oh, yeah. And I, I remember having to stay up late, and I would watch movies with my mother, and, and I couldn't eat anything because I would have to go in for either a CAT scan or an MRI, and, and I would ask my mother why I couldn't go to sleep. And So and they had to keep you they had up. To keep me awake because in order to do the test, they needed to have me be alert or awake for a 24-hour period so they oh, could goodness you know, do the scan on my brain to, to make sure there wasn't any brain damage. And and I remember just as this little eight-year-old boy saying, but I'm, I'm, I'm sleepy, I'm tired, you know, can I go to sleep? And, yeah. and she would say, no, we're, we're just going to have fun and watch movies all night. Oh, just trying to, to make it as exciting as Painted possible. Painted as a beautiful picture. <laughs> hey! It's this, this wonderful thing. You know, we get to stay up and watch movies all night long. And, and I just wanted to go to bed, but I had to stay up. And, and then, you know, the, the machines that they had back then, uh, now the machines are very nice. But back then, it was a long tunnel. And you were kind of, you couldn't move and you had to be put back into the machine and <laughs> and for an eight-year-old boy i mean it, it was a very traumatic experience but for me what was very very difficult and has been ever since i have no memory of anything before i was eight wow a absolutely no memory and i've even had friends that have joked and said, hey, do you remember that $20 I gave you before you fell off the cliff? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to have that back now. I'd like You're to. like, ah, uh, no. Uh, no, no. But, but I, I don't remember. I, my, and my twin brother will say, oh, do you remember when we did this? Or do you remember when we did that? Or, you know, we lived, before we lived in Pleasant, we lived in Roy. And he said, oh, do you remember when we lived in Roy and we went to kindergarten? We, and I said, no, I, I don't. I don't remember anything. 
so. So that must have been difficult, especially here you are in second grade. Could you still read? Could you still write? Did, did that retain? You know, I, I think I was able to retain that. I, I think I could still read and write, and I don't think I had any problems where that was concerned. But I could not remember experiences. I could not remember places or events. Or, and, and the funny thing, see, I had with my religion, my faith, mm-hmm. I, I had been baptized the week before I fell. Mm-hmm. I have no memories of that. Oh, I've seen pictures. <laughs> I know what happened. I've seen pictures, but I, I have no memory of that wow. experience. And it was the following Saturday when I fell. Wow. Just the week after. And that's crazy. So what was the hardest thing besides losing your memory? Was was it getting through these seizures? Was it what what was the hardest thing being eight and going through this? I think bullying, I mean, <laughs> bullying. Uh, you can imagine when you have a big thing on your head and when you're shaking, you know, oh. and having problems, you can imagine what kids will say and, you know, how kids will pick on you or have fun. And there were many kids who were wonderful, who were yeah. so great. And so, and there were many who did make fun and, and name call. And, and for me, I, I think I had to make a choice mm-hmm. as an eight year old yeah. <laughs> that I, every day would be a new day. It, it was like, then I thought, and I can remember even consciously thinking about it. I'm just going to Every day will be a new day, regardless of what has happened in the past. Every day I will start fresh. Every day I will. And I remember thinking about how I wouldn't let name calling or let what people were saying or let, you know, the problems or experiences that I had hold me back. And I think for me, I wanted to push myself and I wanted to to do the very best I could. But I realized at that point that it would not matter what had happened in the past with mm-hmm. me falling down. I actually, in one of my books, I wrote mm-hmm. about it. Let me read. Yeah, just the go paragraph. right ahead. This is from my book, Perceptions, Parables, and Pointers. And I'm just going to read two paragraphs. Yeah. When we fall down, we get back up. If you say the first part to my children, when we fall down, they will all automatically respond with, we get back up. Mm-hmm. This encompasses not only physical falls, but mental, emotional, spiritual, financial, and all different kinds of falls. And then I explain about falling off the cliff. Right. And then I have this. After my fall from the cliff, I resolved that each day would be a new birth for me, regardless of how many times I would fall down, both literally and metaphorically. It helped me see that life is precious. It is a gift and should be cherished. It helped me to evaluate my priorities and focus more intently on what matters most. Now, we don't need to fall off a cliff to get sense knocked into us, but we all need to continually have reminders and even wake-up calls that help us refocus our energy into the best life has to offer us. And I think that is the key with life. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think... I was forced or compelled to make that choice at a very early age because of the fall and because I didn't remember. And and I think I was always trying to push myself and say, okay, this may have stopped me or prevented me from doing something in the past, but I don't want to let that stop me in the future. And, and we all have that choice. Yeah, we do, don't we? Now, do you feel... 
How did God help you through that as a child? I mean, did you feel him in your life when you were struggling with all these seizures and praying maybe as you went in to oh, get CAT scans and MRIs or how did that work? Oh, I think everything that I do, I attribute to God. Mm -hmm. I really do. And my father, he actually had given me a blessing mm -hmm. to, to help and, and had prayed for me. And so many family members and friends and neighbors were praying. And honestly, I think the doctors believed that I would not and should not make it with right. that kind of a fall. Oh, yeah. I mean, it. it is a miracle that I'm alive. Mm -hmm. it, it really is. And I know it is because of God and because of my parents, because of their faith, because of the faith of so many family members and neighbors and ward members who were praying on my behalf. Mm -hmm. Because honestly, I probably should not have survived that fall. Right. Even with the barbed wire slowing me down, mm -hmm. which I don't even know if that did, but that's what I'm assuming happened. Right. Because that kind of fall, you should not survive. Yeah. Yeah. And and I I can attribute the hand of God in my life and I'm so grateful for everything that he does for me and has done for me. That's that's incredible. Um so the lesson the biggest lesson then that you learned then as an eight year old was if you fall you get back up. When you fall down, you get back. When up. you fall, you get back up. That yeah. is because we all will fall. Oh, absolutely. It's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when we fall. <laughs> yes, and, it is. And it's not just the physical falls; it's it's the emotional falls, it's the financial falls, it's it's the mental falls. Because we all have tough times. We all have terrible days, horrible experiences, and and no one is exempt. We we all experience these difficult tragedies, and. It's how we can look to God during those moments of darkness, how we can try to keep the faith, how mm -hmm. we can try to pray that we will find a way mm -hmm. that Heavenly Father will help us and teach us. And, and I think that's the biggest thing because everyone is struggling. Yeah. A everyone in life. And, and sometimes, you know, that phrase of, oh, the grass is greener on the other side. And we look at someone and we think, wow, they have it so easy. If we could see the problems they're experiencing and enduring, I think our eyes would be opened and we would say, wow, maybe my life is not as difficult as I thought because everyone has trials and everyone is doing the best they can. Yeah. So let's let's take that and dive into your story with your wife almost dying, right. um, because this was obviously a very low point in your life. Yes. Um, why don't you talk us through kind of well? Get, first of all, give us a little bit of background on that, and and talk us through perhaps that night when you were in the deepest, darkest moment of your life. Perfect. Well, the first experience, of course, was when I was younger. You know, the most difficult thing I had ever experienced falling off the cliff up until that time. I think the next most difficult experience I have ever had in my life, my my wife and I, we have been, we, we love each other so much. Mm -hmm. And... And we have a 12-year-old girl, she's almost 12, and and we have two boys. Mm -hmm. One is five and one is two. And 
and they are so wonderful. But we had many years of infertility, mm -hmm. and we had, my, my wife had four miscarriages. Wow. Which any woman who has ever gone through that, and any husband who has ever experienced that as well, they know emotionally and mentally and physically for the woman how difficult that is. Sure. And my wife had one of the miscarriages that she had, she needed to have a, a DNC. Right. And it became an emergency DNC where we had to go to the emergency room because she started bleeding out and she was hemorrhaging. Oh gosh. And I remember I was carrying my wife in my arms and walking into the hospital and and she when we went into the hospital and we checked her in and we went back she had lost so much blood and she was bleeding out oh gosh and as a father you know thinking of my children but as a husband thinking of my wife and thinking that i could lose my wife and the doctors and nurses at one point did not know if she would pull through because she had lost so much blood and it looked as if she might possibly die. Oh. And to have those thoughts going through your mind. What were those thoughts? The, the first thought that I had going through my mind is I could possibly be losing my best friend. <laughs> you know? The, the best thing that has ever happened to me, my better half. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I couldn't even imagine what life would be like. And then I thought about my three little children, well, two children at the time, mm -hmm. you know, since we did not have Matthew yet. And, and I thought, I have two little children. I would be a single father. Mm -hmm. and, and I thought, what would happen to them? What? And I had all of these fears that went through my mind because then I started thinking about everything would change mm -hmm. and and I, I love my wife so much and I'm so grateful for the miracle that she did not die mm -hmm. because at one point we thought she wouldn't pull through and wouldn't wouldn't make it and to have that experience and I know many people have had that experience and many people have even had the experience of losing a loved one mm -hmm. and I think that is when you need to turn to God the most because that is when you feel as if part of you is gone whether it's a child or a spouse a loved one you feel as if there is a hole there there's an emptiness that you personally, it doesn't matter what you do, you cannot feel that gap. Mm -hmm. And and that is where God comes in. So what was your conversation with God that night? What, what did that sound like? <laughs> Pleading, you know, just praying, saying, you know, this, you know, she's the best thing that has ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. um, please. Do not allow this to happen. I need, you know, to have my sweetheart and and just sincerely praying that somehow, through some miracle, 
she would make it and that she would be okay and that we would still be able to be together. And I know that isn't always the case for some individuals, Mm -hmm. at least not here yeah, on this earth, Yeah, you know, that they can be and will be together. But my prayer was just so, I think, heartfelt. I think there are times when you pray, as everyone does, where it's just a, a ritual, almost yes. an everyday occurrence, and, and you, you have these prayers that you've been doing it your entire life, that you know the words by heart, and, and you, it's almost like you don't put much thought or feeling into those prayers. Yeah. But during these moments, these dark days and these difficult times, I think those are when your prayers become so sincere as if you're really speaking personally to God. And and it may be because of the petition you're pleading. It may be that you are trying to plead your case. Yeah. But your prayers, your words become, I think, intensified because of the feelings that you have. And I think if we could pray like that every day... (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) It would be so much better. Yes, it would. It would be way better. Um, That must have been a very difficult prayer. Did did you feel you received an answer before the doctors came and talked to you? Did you feel anything? Was God speaking back to you at all when you were pleading? I felt peace. I, at the time, there... There were a few minutes when I thought I would lose my wife, and mm-hmm. I was completely devastated. But then I felt this peace, and it was almost like a reassurance that everything would be okay. Whether or not it was that she would survive, or it was just that everything would be okay, and that I would be okay, and that. I could not see, you know, sometimes we have these blinders on. Yes, and, we do. And, and we, we can't see the whole picture. Mm-hmm. And it's like we're looking, you know, you probably have heard, you know, you're looking through a straw and you can only see that <laughs> tiny narrow image and, and you're so focused on what it is. And then if you remove that, all of a sudden you see everything, the entire expanse is open before you. And, and I think at that moment, during that prayer, it was as if, my focus, my will, what I wanted to have happen, it was like I was looking through that straw and I was so focused, you know, this is what I want, this is what I want. And even though I didn't have the answer, oh, you know, she'll be perfectly fine, everything will be great. It was as if the straw was removed and then my understanding was heightened that I could see this entire expanse as if God was telling me, this is what you can experience. You know, you're f- so focused on your tiny little problem, which at the moment was it seemed enormous and and it it was overwhelming. But he wanted to help me understand, like an eternal perspective, to think and see things with an enlarged capacity to have a greater understanding. And I think, for me, it was one of those moments where. I could better appreciate his will, maybe not my will, but I could say, 
if I focus on what God wants me to do, if I put Him first, whatever happens, I know that the right thing will happen. And so I think it was a valuable, very valuable lesson for me. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I remember having a similar moment myself so I can relate, but it's so hard getting, I guess, as you call it, the straw where Mm -hmm. this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want, and realizing that's not the prayer God wants us to pray. It's that, okay, fine, your will be done, Uh you know, even though I want something so very badly. Um, And that submission is so hard in those moments to say, ah, oh, I want this so bad. But you're right that God has that omniscient view on all of us right. and our lives and our experience and trusting that it really is a trust that he will be okay. Yeah. And that whatever, whatever happens, God will bless us and strengthen us and help us get through. Yeah. And I think sometimes we're so focused on what we want <laughs> and we're you know we're it's like we're pleading you know that he will give us what we want without realizing that we need to change and accept and we need to have the disposition that whatever happens that we will then have the strength we will have the faith to endure whatever experience we have been given mm-hmm. that we can find the good even in the bad, there there is always light. Even in the darkest area, there's a faint light that we can look to. And we may feel as if we are completely wrapped around mm-hmm. in darkness, but, but if we can find the light, if we can look for the good, and it's the same thing with people. You know, there, there's greatness within everyone. Mm-hmm. There, there is goodness. If you look for the best, you will find it. Whether it's finding it in a person or a situation, a problem, if you look for the good, and if you focus on that good, then it will help you to feel better, but it will help you feel good about your situation. And I think that's the biggest key. So maybe then a good prayer at those moments of hard time would be help me to find the good in this. Help me find the good in this. Whatever I it like is. that. Help me find the good, yeah. And it, almost reflecting back on your first experience of falling down the cliff, yeah. the good in it was you hit the, that barbed wire, right? right, right. All the way down. Yeah. So in retrospect, yeah. it probably helped save your life. life. <laughs> so that is such an important lesson. I'd never thought about praying for uh, that God will help us see the good. In it yeah. but I think that's a really good prayer um, to to pray to see the good in it yeah that's incredible so at one point you also lost your job I did yes tell us that story and if it was a good thing or a bad thing okay. <laughs> well, at the time it was not a good thing at all <laughs> well what what had happened my wife and I we did not have our first child until we'd been married for three years. Okay. And so right before our daughter was going to be born, I had been working for a, a company and I, w- I was basically a school administrator trying to get new students into this university. Uh-huh. And I would go around to the different 
schools and and I loved it. I enjoyed it. I I was doing motivational speaking all day yeah. to these students and and we had just barely purchased a new home uh-huh. up in Clinton and I lost my job. I I was fired from my job and what were you thinking at that moment? At the moment, it was hysteria. It I I felt so low. First off, you know, when you are a man, you are a provider for your family. Right. And when you do not have a job and you're trying to find a job, it, you, you feel so low. And you, those feelings of inadequacy and you're not able to provide, you're not able to, to help out, they, they start to creep in. But at the same time, for me, we had just purchased a new home and we had a mortgage. And my wife was pregnant with our first child who would be bored. And so it was one thing after another. And, and I just thought how terrible everything was. At, at the time, it was horrible. I mean, it was a horrible experience because you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. You really do. Uh-huh. When, especially as the husband, the father, the provider, you, you don't have any income. You have a mortgage. You have these bills to pay. And you know that not only is your wife depending on you, but your child is depending on you as well. And at that moment when things were so dark and things were so bleak. Yeah. With no possible hope for anything. Uh-huh. I think that is when I had really turned to the Lord and and just prayed to God to find out what he would have me do and what I had been teaching piano lessons on the side. Uh-huh. Before doing that, I had actually sold pianos at a piano store and I had taught piano lessons while I did that and I taught a few piano lessons on the side. And so because I lost my job, I decided I would teach piano lessons full time. Very and good. It turned out it was a struggle initially, but it turned out to be the best thing ever. And in retrospect, I can look back, and at the time, it was probably a very dark experience losing my job and and not having that income and not being able, not knowing how I would provide for my family, how I would be able to take care of them. But looking back. In retrospect, it was one of the best things that could have happened to me because a year later, I decided to write my first book, which was an introduction to scales and modes. And then my next book, a year after that, I wrote Variations on Mary Had a Little Lamb, and I started coming out with more and more music books and then doing CDs. And and so now I can look back and say, it was actually the best experience and best thing that could have happened to me because I don't know if it would have, if I would have been pushed to make the next step to change and to get out of my comfort zone I had a salary and yeah and, and at the time I thought oh this is you know this is great this is where I'm going to be for the next while and and you don't know what will happen in life you, you really don't know what life will bring you and and I think for me it was a nice way for me to look at everything and say this is what I can either you know, fail and I can stumble and cry and, and complain about my situation or I can try to make the best of, in this case, what I thought was a worst case scenario. 
And, and I think that's the biggest key, is how we can turn to God, how we can be strengthened during those difficult times. And I look back now, and, and even though at the time it was difficult, I look back and I'm so grateful I lost my job. It, <laughs> now you are. Now I am. At the time, I was not. But right now, it's, it's the best thing that could have happened to me. It really is. So the moral of this story is, if you are in a dark place, perhaps it will put you on the trajectory that will lead you to the best place for you exactly. in years down the road. And you'll look back and say, I'm so thankful that happened yeah. to me. Sometimes we look at a problem and we think it's the worst, most horrible, terrible experience. And at the time... It is. it is because we, we are going through and, and we have these you know feelings of inadequacy feelings of failure we have these dark dark times but we don't realize that what that is doing is that is taking us from our course and it's putting us on in many cases an even better path yeah so that's what we have to cling and, and to that, we have to cling to that hope that it it's putting us on we, a better we, path we, we need to cling to that but we need to also find out what God wants us to do. Yeah. What His will is. We, we need to turn to Him. And, and sometimes it's finding out who we are and knowing who He wants us to be. Mm. And, and asking those and questions. Asking those questions. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's turning to God and it's, it's asking not just who am I, but who can I be? Who should I be? What should I be doing? What should I be learning? What new skills could I learn? What, what new experiences, and, and sometimes the best thing I have found is to get out a blank piece of paper. And in this book, I even, the Who Are You book, mm -hmm. I even talk about that where I have the individuals create my personal life plan and they write down what they'd like out of life. What, what they would, if they had the perfect life and they could envision their perfect life, mm -hmm. what would it look like? And write down those and things. And write down those things. That's a good idea. To write and that and down. It's, it's a way for them to create their own personal life plan where they can write down what they're doing. And here I have, who am I? Write a brief summary of who you think you are, your beliefs, talents, and interests. Uh -huh. And then below that it says, who do I want to be? Realizing I must live with myself for the rest of my life. What kind of person do I want to be and strive to become each day? And then they have an entire page where they can write down who am I right now? And then in a few pages, they will actually turn and write down who they want to be in the future. What they envision. What they envision. Who I want to be and become. That's so and cool. that will always change. So but is this what you did? That, that's what I did. I, I actually wrote down an entire page of what I wanted to be. I started writing down titles of books I wanted to write. When I still have a lot of those titles I need really? to write. Really? And, and I, I started writing down places I wanted to go or experiences I wanted to have. It was almost like I was trying to create a, a roadmap for my life. Well, and in such a dark time, that's probably a good thing to like set your goals it, on something. It gives you hope. Yes. It, it, it gives you, even though you may not have faith, uh -huh. it it pushes you to look for faith and, and, and to hope for things because what it's doing is you're actually putting yourself out there in the future tense. Mm -hmm. And then once you've created this outline, then you're just kind of marking the steps backwards on how to get there. Yeah. So in a way, it's as if you're saying, that is what I, 
I envision. That, that is the dream. That is the hope. But then how can you turn those dreams into a reality? How, how can you push yourself? How can you set goals? How can you do the daily things to try and get there? And that never would have happened had I not lost my job. Yeah. And, and at the time, it, it was devastating. Yeah. It, it, was, it was terrible. But now I look back and I, I'm grateful. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. It was a blessing in disguise. It was disguise. a blessing in disguise. <laughs> so I'm thankful for it. That's awesome. Um, so what would you say to someone who is going through an extremely hard time right now? You've given us good tips on if you fall down, get back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, praying to see the good. Uh, submitting to God. Is there any other nuggets of wisdom that that you could share or that you would like to draw out a little more. I don't know if I had any wisdom, but <laughs> but the, what I would just help people understand in in several of my books, I have motivational poetry and I, I have things that my my main focus on the back of of most of my books. Uh-huh. I have my what I believe my purpose is. Oh, share that. And so this is something that after years of trying to think, you know, and I think everyone has a purpose in life. They may not understand what their individual purpose is, but everyone has a purpose, a mission that only they can fulfill. And so what I wrote for myself, I said, my purpose and mission in life is to motivate myself and others through my music and writing, to help others find their purpose and mission in life, and to teach values that encourage everyone everywhere to do and be their best. And I think in life, we get so caught up in trying to be the absolute best of anyone. Yes. <laughs> you know, there, there's so much competition. And what we're really doing is we're trying to compete against others, which limits us when really we should try to bring out the best in others and bring out the best in ourselves. We, we should try to work together. I think in life, whether we're playing sports or whether we're you know, trying to go through ac- the academic world, there's so much competition. And and that's where you get into the what's in it for me mentality, which I think it brings a narrow view of life. Mm-hmm. And I think it actually prevents people from living their lives the way they should live their lives because it's like a spiral. If you start focusing on that what's in it for me and, and you're only focused on your wants, your needs, you start spiraling and the circle gets smaller and smaller. Hmm. But if you start focusing on other people, it's like you start in the center and you start going out and your circle enlarges. And, and whether it's the circle of influence, whether it's your you know circle of productivity, everything because you're focusing on others. You're, you're not focusing on yourself. You're, you're focusing on what you can do to to help others or to serve others, to teach others, to, to be there for others. Because everyone, like we said, everyone has dark days. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a difficult experience. Everyone falls down. And we need to be there to help other people when they fall down so we can help them get up. Now, when we fall down, others will be there to help us. We, we are all in this together. So maybe instead of what's in it for me, it is more of the mentality of... Um, 
how can I bless and help others? How can I serve? How can I? And and by so doing that, we build that sphere of influence around ourselves. Mm-hmm. Not, and it's almost a support network, wouldn't oh, you call it, it that? Completely. Um, where you can help each other yeah. when you fall down. And I think that's the way God intended it to be because I don't think he wanted us to go through life on our own, no, right? No. He wanted us to interact with others and to help each other. Like they say, it takes a village. I think it really does take a village to oh, also keep us going because we're all going to have mountains and valleys, right? We'll have highs and lows, <laughs> we'll have ups and downs. I mean, we, we will have those moments where we are at our highest and, and everything is perfect and we will feel invincible. Mm-hmm. And then the very next moment, we can be at our lowest depths and we can collapse and 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 we may, our faith may be wavering, our, our strength may be weakened, mm-hmm. and we may feel hopeless. Right. But that is when family and friends, you know, that community, mm-hmm. we can come together and we can help each other. And I think that that's the biggest key. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's looking at someone and saying, they're my my family. They're my brother. They're my sister. They're my neighbor. They're they they're a part of me. Mm-hmm. And and you know it, it's funny because I I remember reading a story that was written and I can't even remember what the story was, but it was about someone who was asked to find the most worthless person in the world and 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 he started going to prisons and started trying to find the most worthless person. And after he started speaking with these individuals, he found out that they. They had so much value. They, they were, they were wonderful. You know, they had made mistakes as we all do, mm-hmm. but everyone, and, and and they started going around and trying to find, and they could not do it because every person, regardless of what they've done, regardless of what experiences they've had, everyone is a wonderful person, and we are all in this together. We we all need to be strengthened, and we can help strengthen others. We all have good times, and we all have bad times. Yeah. So one of the things that I think we struggle with in today's society is that concept of when we go through hard times, maybe hiding and not showing the world that we're going through a hard time. Um, You've been through several scenarios where you've been through very, very difficult things. Um, What what are the benefits of sharing these stories, do you think? Well, I think one of the benefits of sharing these stories is helping people realize that we have a lot of perceptions. And the perceptions where we perceive or think that others are not having a difficult time is because, like you said, they try to hide them. Yeah. Or they don't want others to know. And in part, it might be because they want to be self-sufficient, where they, they don't want... You know, trying to, we're, we can readily help. If someone needs our assistance, we are the first to be out there and yeah. we're, we're ready to help them. But when we need assistance and when we need to ask other people to help us, part of it might be pride, but part of it is just we feel bad that someone else is having to help us because we can't help ourselves. Right. And what we need to realize is just as we can be blessed when we are blessing others uh-huh. by serving them and helping them, others can be blessed when they help us. And and I think we need to be okay with the fact that we're not going to have a 
perfect life. No one will. Mm -hmm. we're, we're not perfect people, and we should not try to pretend that we are perfect people. We all have problems. Mm -hmm. We will fall down, but we can always get back up. Whether it's people helping us get back up, whether we are trying to struggle to stand on our own, and others come in and support us, we need to realize that we're all in this together. And like you said, it, it's a community. It really is. It's a collage, a group of people coming together. And there are times when we will help, and there are times when we need all the help we can get. And I think. And not be afraid not to be afraid say, I need to, help right to, now. To ask and, and to tell people yeah. and open up. And, and sometimes we don't want to share these problems that we have or these bad experiences that we have gone through. And I think we need to share them. Because others around us will realize and say, you know what, I'm going through the exact same problem, or I'm struggling, you know, my faith is really low right now, or I just lost my job and I don't know what to do, I just lost my spouse, or, you know, everyone is struggling with something, and I think if we can share our experiences and open up with others, it will help them realize that it's okay to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's okay to help people, and it's okay to be helped by others. And it's, it's not, not a problem. It's not a weakness. Okay? It's, it's not a failure. Mm -hmm. You know, I believe that failure is just a stepping stone. That's a good way to look at it. There, there is no such thing as failure. It's just another stepping stone to help us figure out and get a stronger footing that we can step in the right direction. That's awesome. So, That's really good. Awesome. You have shared some really amazing um, stories and insights. They're so, so valuable, and I, I, I hope people will find value in them. So thank you for doing that. You're so I'm sure there's going to be people out there that want to connect with you. Sure. Why don't you share with us the best ways that we can connect with you or find you or listen to your music and all that stuff? No, that's great. So they can go to my website, musicmotivation.com. I have... 23 music books that I've come out with where I teach piano students how to play music the fun way through fun original cool songs I've composed mm -hmm. and so I have all of my books available there they can also get these books from amazon.com why don't you tell us the titles really quick so this is who are you your personal success goal book discover who you really are and who you can become this book is actually a workbook where I designed it for teens, young adults, and even adults, but they can create their own personal life mission. They can go through and read about how to set goals, describe the you you want to be. They can talk about, you know, I have a formula for success, going for the goal, talking about how to write goals, and then the entire, there are 365 pages where they can write down kind of a daily to-do goal checkbook where they can write down what their goals are. And that's so that's awesome. Who Are You? Uh-huh. This book is Perceptions, Parables, and Pointers, and it's divided into three sections. The first is Perceptions, where it has my own perceptions on life. Uh-huh. They're just little paragraphs. Each one is a little different about... Everything from knowledge to learning to exercise, just my own little perceptions on life. And then the second section is parables, where I have motivational stories that I've written that teach 
values, morals, and lessons. And then the last section has 222 pointers. They're 222 of my favorite motivational, inspirational quotes from some of the most amazing men and women throughout history. Oh, awesome. But kind of some great things. The As If Principle, motivational poetry. This has 222 motivational poems that I've written that teach values and principles. You live this motivation. I, 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 I really love it. This is a book called Motivation in a Minute. Uh-huh. And this has... I love photography, so this is my... These are my own pictures I've taken where I have a photo on the side and then I have a motivational message. So the entire book has my photography on one page and then a motivational message, inspirational story on Wow, that's but awesome. All of these books are available from Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. Uh-huh. So they can find these books there. My music is available on iTunes, Amazon. They can listen on Spotify or Pandora. So Very there are many good. ways to connect with me. Facebook.com slash Gerald Simon. They can go to my YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Gerald Simon. I have a lot of videos on there. And my website, musicmotivation.com. And that's J-E-R-A-L-D-S-I-M-O-N. Very good. Make sure people spell it right when they're looking you up. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your books, your story. Um, Everyone go check out his books and listen to his music. It's beautiful, inspirational. So thank you, Gerald. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. I know that there are many of you out there that are going through a hard time, and I hope you found things that have been useful today as you listen to the podcast. If you would like to access the show notes from today's podcast, visit my website. It is storiesofhopepodcast.com. That is where you'll find favorite quotes from today's episode and shareable memes. And those are fun because you can share them with your friends on social media. You will also find the links mentioned throughout today's episode so you don't have to remember what those were. And also all the tips that were shared. Sometimes tips are shared so much throughout an episode you forget. What were those great things? So go to the show notes, storiesofhopepodcast.com to look up these fantastic resources. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a tip that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this episode with them. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help bear that burden. Above all else, remember God loves you.